hey, did you guys know that Al and Candy have a lot of potted plants? Okay, well, apparently they do because it works well with this. Anyway, so they got a lot of these potted plants. And during this uh, recent cold spill here in uh, Vegas, Al, uh, Candy brought a lot of the plants inside uh, to protect them from the possible freeze, right? Well, as it turned out, there was a little green grass snake hidden in one of those plants there. And when it warmed up, it slithered out and Candy saw it go under the couch. And so she lets out this really loud scream. You want to try it? Yeah, audience participation. This is great. Just like that, okay? <laughs> well, this owl was taking a shower, Ron, and so he runs into the room. He hears the scream, and he's seen what the problem was. And Candy told him there's a snake that went on the couch. And so Al got down on the floor, and his hands and knees got his towel wrapped around him to look for the snake. And about that time, their family dog came out and touched Al with his cold nose, the dog's nose, on, on Al's leg. Well, he thought the snake had bitten him, so he fainted him, right? And, and so Candy thought he had a heart attack, so she called an ambulance right? Well, soon the attendants rushed in and they loaded Al on the stretcher and they started to carry him out. But right at that time, the snake uh, came out from under the couch and the EMT saw it, scared him. He dropped the stretcher and that's when it broke Al's leg and they took him off to the hospital. Okay. But Candy still had the problem with the snake in the house. So she calls the neighbor guy over and he volunteers to capture the snake. He's a guy and he arms himself with this rolled up newspaper thing. And he's poking on the couch there and all that stuff. And Soon he didn't see nothing. He, he told Candy, it's gone. It's, it's okay. Nothing to worry about. So she sits back down on the couch in relief. She lets her hands dangle in between the couch there. And all of a sudden, she felt the snake wiggling around. So this time, she lets out another scream, but she fainted, right? Well, this, the snake rushes back under the couch. And the neighbor guy, seeing Candy lying there passed out on the floor, tries to use CPR to revive her. Well, at this, the neighbor's wife just happened to be returning shopping from the grocery store and saw her husband's mouth on Candy's mouth, and she slammed him in the back of the head with a bag of canned goods, knocked him out cold, put a big old mess on his scalp. He had to get stitches. So another ambulance was called, and they took the man away as well as his sobbing wife. Well, by this time, Candy had come back too, and the police had arrived, and so Candy tried to explain how it all happened over this little green snake. And just when she said that, the little snake crawled back under the couch uh, from out from under there. And so when the policeman saw it, he drew his gun and fired at him. Yeah. Well, he missed the snake and he hit the leg of the end table uh, that was on the side of the couch. And the table fell over. The lamp on it shattered. The bulb broke and it started to fire in the drapes. And the other policeman tried to beat out the flames, but he fell out the window into the yard on top of the family dog, who then got startled and jumped up, raced out into the street where an oncoming car swerved to avoid it, smashed into the police car and set it on fire. Well, meanwhile, the burning drapes had spread to the walls and now their entire house was on fire. So the neighbors, being great neighbors, they called the fire department. And the arriving fire truck had started to raise this ladder as they were about halfway down the street. But the problem was the rising of the ladder tore out the overhead wires, causing a blackout for 10 square blocks. <laughs> well, finally, some time had passed. Okay? And both men, Al and his neighbor, they got released from the hospital. And their house was rebuilt. And the police got a new squad car. And all was right for their world. Okay? Uh, but, but about a year later, and apparently this was about last week, I think, and... Uh, Al and Candy were watching TV and the weatherman announced there was going to be a cold spell for that night here in Vegas. And so Al asked Candy if she thought, well, should we bring in the potted plants for the night? She shot them. <laughs> and now you know why I visited Al this week in the hospital. Uh, last week it was Kenny, but anyways, but uh, folks, how many guys would say that, man, Al and Candy's marriage was experiencing some severe strain there, you know what I'm saying? Man, it was just one thing after another thing after another, on and on and on, it just kept getting worse, right? They couldn't take it no more. 
But folks, as always, there's a punchline. That's this. Believe it or not, the Bible says there's a day coming to the whole planet. It's going to make that look like chump change. And it's going to get worse and worse and tumble on and on and just nightmare after nightmare. You talk about serious strain. It's called the seven-year tribulation. And it begins shortly after the rapture of the church, okay? And the reason why it's going to be such a strenuous time is because for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, folks, it's not going to be pretty, okay? It is an outpouring of God's wrath, and they are going to be catapulted into that time frame. It's not a joke, okay? As we've been seeing, Jesus said it's going to be a time of greater horror than anything mankind has ever seen, and that, in fact, unless God was merciful and shortened that time frame, the entire human race, Matthew 24, he says, would be completely wiped out, okay? Serious stuff, okay? But praise God, we've been seeing God's not just a God of wrath and justice, which is a good thing. He's a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, he's given us so many warning signs, letting us know when it's near. We don't know the exact day or the hour, but he lets us know when it's getting close so we're not caught off guard. There is no excuse for being chucked in there, okay? And therefore, in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, uh, even worse than Alan Candy's week, that's right, we're gonna continue our study called The Final Countdown, okay? Let's get some more audience participation here get your adrenaline going we already seen the number 10 sign on the final countdown was jewish people that's the easy one the number nine sign was and it starts mumbling from here on out that's right mumbling technology that's right uh, the number eight sign was worldwide upheaval number seven was the rise of falsehood number six sign was rise of wickedness and the last five times just read john's lips okay, uh, is the rise of apostasy. And what we've been seeing, folks, as you know, if you've been here, is uh, the Bible clearly tells us when we see not only the world going down the tubes, but believe it or not, the church going down the tubes, which is happening right now today all over the world, thanks in part to a massive flooding in the church of phony baloney believers, greedy believers, worldly believers, and last time, occultic believers in the church, thanks to the lies of the uh, demonic signs and wonders movement that's tricking people into following a different spirit, linking to a different spirit and believe it or not as a non-christian coming to church services they're actually getting possessed by a different spirit than the spirit of god and now we have a whole generation of people for the first time in mankind's history who is ripe for the counterfeit signs wonders and movements that the antichrist is going to dupe the whole world into worshiping him he's already set to go okay but we got one more to go and this i really think is his nail in the coffin to pull off what he wants to do the fifth reason why people in the church have apostatized Okay, they turned away from even the basic truths of Christianity is due to a flood of deadly believers. Okay, turn to somebody and say, don't be a zombie Christian, okay? Because that's really what's going on here, man. Deadly believers, okay? Folks, what I'm talking about today, what we're closing out with this topic anyway, is the topic of liberal Christianity. Have you ever heard of it? Okay, liberal Christianity, okay? Little do people know that liberalism or what's called liberal Christianity has aided in this massive rise of apostasy that we see today. And here's how they're doing it. People in the church are being led astray, listen, by doctrinal manipulation, okay? Doctrinal manipulation and these so-called liberal, uh, by these liberal Christians, but it's not true Christianity, okay? It's just only a name only. It's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. They look Christian externally on the outside, but internally they doctrinally deny and manipulate almost every single cardinal teaching of the church. They deny the deity of Jesus, the virgin birth of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the Trinity, and on and on and on it goes. And, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, as we'll see here shortly, okay? But what this means is they are fake. They are dead. They are a corpse. They are not a true church. But again, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. The Bible talks about what happens when a church would actually get this far, okay? Revelation chapter 3 is our text here this morning. 
Our opening text, Revelation chapter 3. If you find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang it left, that's right. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 is the church of Sardis. Okay, had the name church, sounds Christian, but as we're going to see, this thing was dead. And we're going to find out why uh, it was dead. And what's the proof? How can we know? How can we know that we actually stepped inside, if you will, a dead church? What are some signs to indicate that? Well, Jesus is going to tell us. You can't fool him. Okay, let's take a look at the text. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Here's what the word of God says. To the angel or messenger of the church in Sardis write. Now this is Jesus speaking. Hello. He said, these are the words of him, Jesus, who holds the seven spirits, the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. And listen to what he says. I know your deeds. Has anybody learned yet you cannot hide anything from Jesus? Hello. In case you don't know that, it's true. Okay, he's God. Okay, he says, I know your deeds. He says, you got this reputation of being alive. Woo, you're happening, church, man. But he says, you're what? You're dead. He says, you better wake up. You better strengthen what remains and is about to die. He says, for I have not found your what? Your deeds complete in the sight of my God. So you better remember, therefore, what you have received and heard it and obey it and repent. Why? Because if you do not wake up, man, I'm going to come like a thief and you will not know at what time I am going to come to you. Okay? In other words, you're in big trouble, but guess what? You waited too long. It's too late, okay, is what he's saying there, okay? And what we see here is the classic passage concerning the church of Sardis in the book of Revelation, and they're clearly classified as the what kind of a church? It says it right there, you are dead, okay? What do he say? He says, I know your deeds. You cannot fool me. I see everything. And, and yes, on the outside, maybe amongst each other, maybe amongst the world, you got this reputation of being alive. Woo, it's a happening church. Why, it's got to be alive. Look at the numbers. Not necessarily. What did Jesus say? I see everything, man. He says, you're dead. You're dead as a stump. Why? He said, here's the proof. Pay attention. He said, because of their deeds, right? It was their deeds that gave away their true identity. They were dead. Now, listen, I said all that for this, folks. It's the same thing with this movement called liberal Christianity. It has the Christian word in it. It says they're Christians. They might dress up like Christians. They might have uh, stained glass windows and steeples and all that fun stuff, but they are dead man's bones. Why? Because just like with Sardis, they prove their true identity by their deeds, by their behavior, okay? And here's what they say. Here's the whole premise. They say that feelings, feelings, not doctrine, not the Bible, is the foundation for what we can provide for true and loving Christianity, let me translate that for you. What that means is basically your version of Christianity is what feels right for you. In essence, let's take it a step further. You get to make up your own version of Christianity. That's what they say. That's the premise. Can you believe that? It's wild, okay? And you might be thinking that, man, there's no way that people in the church would go for this. This is nuts. I mean, you don't make up your own Christianity. You don't do that. You can't do that. I mean, come on. I mean, we're supposed to be followers of Christ, not dictators of Christ, right? But pay attention, folks. This explains a lot of things that we're seeing in the so-called American church today. Why do you think that right now, listen, not just little subsections, but right now, mainline denominations across America, mainline denominations are actually debating, having councils on whether or not Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Mainline denominations are doing that. Not the fringe groups anymore, mainline denominations why do you think for years people in the church mainline denominations are denying flat out denying the existence of hell if there is no hell why did jesus go to the cross right 
It's just, it's crazy. Why do you think for years that mainline denominations are not only saying that homosexuality is okay, but they're even going so far, and this has been for a while now, they're saying that it's even, it's even fine for those who are behind the pulpit. This is liberal Christianity. It's all on the basis of what feels right. This is their version of Christianity. It's called liberal, but listen, it's fake. It's dead as a stump. Because of their deeds. They may say they're Christian. They got a Christian building. They may have gone to a Christian seminary. They may go to church services, but that makes you no longer a Christian than sitting in a hen house makes you a chicken. You have to be born again. You have to have the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is going to convict you if you dare try to make up your own version of Christianity. They are dead, okay? Now listen, here is the warning sign that we need to realize, and this fits in with our next sign with a one-world religion. As crazy as this is, that these people are doing this, it's not just spreading across America. Listen, but here's what's happening, guys. True evangelical Christianity, you and I, we're being replaced. I'll say it again, because this is what's happening. This is the crisis moment. Remember we saw a few weeks earlier that we said we're on the precipice. Church historians are saying, unless this generation of Christian rises up and turns things around, it's too late. This is why. True evangelical Christianity is being, listen, not just replaced, it's being eradicated by these guys. We are being replaced by a dead, fake, phony church right here in America. Why? Because if you understand the Bible and the last days, this is exactly what the Antichrist needs to do in order to pull off one of the things he's going to do. The Bible says there's going to come a point when he's going to take control of all the religions on the planet. And so he can't get rid of Christianity, so he has to create a pseudo-fake, false Christianity that will go along with anything he wants and says for them to do. And then, as we'll see in the next sign, he's got to get rid of the true ones. But that's for the next sign, okay? And the first way he's getting people, even in the church in America, to create this dead church that will go along with his one world religion is he's getting people in the church to create a brand new service. A new kind of service. A new and approved service, okay? And that service, in a nutshell, folks, is one that revolves all around self, okay? It's all about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, right? No, but that's what they're pushing for, okay? And, uh, but shocker, let's first uh, take a look at what God says. Why should we come? Why are we here today? What's the motive? Why do we do all that we do? Well, the Bible gives us clear instructions about that. Colossians chapter three, let's take a look at that text there, verses 16 through 17. It says, let the word of Christ, who? The word of man, feel good messages? Pop psychology? No, the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, God's wisdom. And as you, what else do you do when you come to church services? You sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. It's all about him. And oh, by the way, in case you don't know, uh, whatever you do, I love that. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay? Now, folks, hopefully this isn't news to you, but I don't know how you can get any more clear than this. When you and I as Christians gather together for church services, it's supposed to be all about who? God. When we step through these doors, it's here. We're here to worship who? God. It's what he says there. It's all about him. We not only teach his word, we not only sing songs of gratitude to him, but he says, whatever you do, okay, so you want to nitpick it to death, so to speak, do it all for him. It's all for his glory, right? Not about yourself, not anymore. Haven't you guys heard? I mean, come on, man. That's outdated. That's old-fashioned. Aren't you keeping up with the times? 
Thanks to liberal Christianity, we're now being told that a truly prosperous, wonderful church service is one that revolves all around self. And so when people show up on the premises, we have to cater everything we do just to meet their needs. Because it's all about them, not him. Don't believe me? These people are demanding it. How many of you guys have ever been to one of these churches? Check this out. Let's take a look. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. Now, uh, first, that video would be funny if it weren't so true, okay? How many guys uh, have noticed and witnessed the average attitude of the person, unfortunately, that comes to church services today? That is their attitude, right? It's completely diametrically opposed and opposite to what we just read in Colossians. It's all about them. It's not about God. You, are to, you exist, church, to cater to my needs about self, 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 me, 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 right? Now, the problem is we just saw with our text, it's not only not biblical, okay, because it's supposed to be for the glory of God, but the problem is you open up Pandora's box. Once you start going down this route of catering your services no longer for the glory of God, but every single whim and fancy of people just to make them feel good, you come up with all kinds of apostasy. It comes in like a flood. I mean, anything goes when you put self above the Savior. Don't believe me? Now, this is not make-believe. That was. These are actual church services today that are catered towards self. And I'm telling you, this is the tip of the iceberg, okay? Let's take a look. Did you know there's an automated prayer service out there? I mean, this is, well, you may not have time, right, for self. Listen to this. Believe it or not, somebody actually launched a website that offered automated prayer service by computer so you don't have to do it yourself. That's right, folks. It's called Information Age, and here's what they say. Quote, Information Age Prayer is a subscription service utilizing a computer with text-to-speech capability to encant your prayers each day. That's right. It gives you the satisfaction of knowing that your prayers will always be said, even if you wake up late or you forget. Oh, you still get to do it. It's awesome. Oh, that's all about self. They say, we think our service should be used like a prayer supplement. Don't you take vitamins? Huh? That's right. Say, to listen, listen to the audacity of this, to strengthen a subscriber's connection with God. What? Okay, I'm not, it gets worse as we go. For instance, that's right, for $3.95 a month, they will actually say the Lord's Prayer for you. Quote, this prayer is the model that Jesus taught us to pray. Only they do it for you by the computer. Uh, it, it thanks God and, and asks him to provide for our needs and to forgive us. Can you believe it? Uh, I don't have time. Uh, could, I'm gonna pay somebody $3.95 a month to ask God to forgive me for my, not making it up, folks. This is where our world's headed. Okay, one simply cannot go wrong with this most beautiful classic prayer. Or you can subscribe to the morning prayer. Quote, the morning prayer is meant to be said each morning. Hence the title, Mike, morning prayer. 
Okay, a nice short prayer. It has all the basic essentials of a daily prayer life. Uh, subscribe now and tell God what you think of him each morning. Only three ninety-five a month. And hopefully the internet connection is good and you don't get caught there. But anyway, or you could listen, the prayer for your children. This prayer asks God to watch over your children and allow them to do good and keep them from harm. Now listen, this is the cheapest prayer you can get from Information Age. And it can be said each day, man, for an entire month for only a buck ninety-nine. Won't you invest in your kids' future for a buck ninety-nine? Not making this up, folks. And speaking of savings, due to the ongoing economic slump, they offered, that's right, Bill, for a limited time only, five get well prayers each day for only $9.95 a month. Come on, they're sensitive to the economic issues we face today. It's worse than that. How about if, if you're going to pay somebody to say your prayers for you, maybe they'll just pay you to come to church services. Well, that's what this church is doing. I'm not making this up. Worshippers at Lighthouse Church in Illinois have been given a new incentive to be in the pews the last few weeks. That's right. Their pastor's giving away cold, hard cash. That's right. Here's what they do. Eat your heart out, Willy Wonka. Uh, the pastor pulls three seat numbers out of a hat, and two lucky worshipers get 250 bucks, and one of them gets 500. Woo! The cash comes directly out of the uh, collection plate, and the Tim's is up over 600 people in just the past five weeks. Woo, yeah, I got a lucky ticket, I got a lucky ticket. Are you kidding me? You got to be paid to come to church services? It gets even worse. How about the cell phone blessing service? I mean, if you're going to be here, you might as well, you know, because we're all worried about our gadgets. Uh, an Anglican priest, eager to keep their parish alive due to declining church attendance, asked the users of mobile phones and other technological devices to bring them in this weekend for a special cell phone blessing. That's right. Aware of the attendance crisis, right? Uh, they decided to experiment, listen, direct quote, with different ways to spread the word. That's spreading the word of what? Excuse me? Oh, it gets even worse. And they made a disclaimer. I'm not making this up. They say, we do not claim to be able to exercise the demons from your computer. <laughs> well, I'm not coming there. <sighs> Excuse me, it gets worse. How about the beer drinking service? Not making this up. Most Christians are familiar with the biblical story of Jesus turning water into wine, but now two New Zealand pastors are turning a pub into a church completely with beer drinking during their gatherings. Okay, that's right. While the, quote, sports bar service will not contain any sermons or singing, we just read Colossians 3, the pastors say, listen, it will serve as both a place of prayer and a place to grab a beer, huh? Oh, but that, you think, oh, it's just those guys uh, over the Atlantic. No, 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 no. Uh, they're not the only ones. Another pastor in California is doing the same thing. Quote, some churches are using tactics like providing coffee and sweets, but a new church in San Jose, hey, they got a different approach. It provides beer to its attendees. Uh, pastor Jenkins said, this is re where real ministry takes place. <laughs> I mean, and uh, apparently, and he said, come on, I'll buy you a pint. Gets worse as we go. Here's another, how about a tattoo? Wouldn't you like to come to church service and just get a tattoo, kill two birds with, well, you can at this one in Michigan. A Michigan pastor says he's doing everything he can. That's right, to reach people who don't feel comfortable with traditional houses of worship, right? So here's what he's doing. He opened up a tattoo parlor inside his church to help out, that's right. Uh, Reverend Steve Bentley said his ministry is built on the belief that mainstream religion, you know, us, has become ineffective and irrelevant to most people. And so to that end, he opened Serenity Tattoo, as you can see in this next video. Here it is on display. Let's take a look. Ryan Brown is the manager of Serenity Tattoo Studio in Flint Township. He never imagined he'd work at a tattoo shop in, of all places, a church. Tracy Seaback can't imagine going anywhere else to get her tattoo. It feels good to me to be able to come in here and you know, know that it's a nice safe environment. Being home to a tattoo studio isn't the only unique thing about this church. They also host MWO wrestling events 
and later on this year, they plan to bring in cage fighting. Yeah! Come on, that's so cool. Whatever you do in word or deed, make sure you got cage fighting. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic for a point. What? Man, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm even one of those traditional houses of worship guys. But I, I just don't think that Jesus came all the way from heaven to die this horrible death on the cross just so when we gathered together as Christians, we could sit around in our services drinking beer, getting a tattoo, paying somebody else to say my prayers. But folks, this is what's actually happening. And you talk about blasphemous. Okay, that's obvious. But here's the point, folks. I don't doubt one iota that these people coming to those services are having a great old time, all right, but it's not for the glory of God, which means it's dead. It's fake, it's phony, and listen, it's step one of the Antichrist creating a dead church that will go along with anything he says or tells them he wants them to do. Because, man, his church services are going to be really catered towards self. And now we have churches ready to do just that, okay? The second way that liberal Christianity is being used to create this dead church for the Antichrist reign is by getting them to create a brand new scripture, right? Because it's just totally logical, right? Because as you saw, that behavior is so unbiblical, it's not even funny. So, 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 so we, we gotta come up with a new Bible, right? We gotta come up with a new Bible that won't convict us of our self-centered behavior at our so-called church services, right? But they wouldn't do that, would they? Yeah, we'll get to that in a second, but let's remind ourselves why we need the true word of God, okay, the real Bible, and here's what the real Bible tells us, why we need God's word, okay, not man's word, God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17 says, all scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God and is useful for what? Teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in this thing called righteousness, okay, and why? So that we may be thoroughly bored to death. We may be thoroughly, uh, God's just ruined all of our fun. And, and that, no, he says that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's all for our good, right? And folks, again, uh, hopefully this isn't a uh, non-familiar passage to you, but the Bible clearly says that all of the scripture, i.e. the Bible, is inspired by God to listen to do this, to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, and to train us in righteousness. What's that? That's the right way of living according to God's standard, not our own, which is for our good. Sin may be pleasing for a time, but the Bible is clear. It will ruin your life. It will destroy you and other people. So God trains us in righteousness, which is the best for us. But not anymore. Hey, that's right. I mean, haven't you guys caught up with the times? What are you guys, old-fashioned? What are you guys, outdated? Are you one of those traditional houses of worship out there? Hey, thanks to liberal Christianity, we're now being told that we, we, we've got to come up with this new and improved scripture, right? Because that old version, <laughs> this guy... Come on, man. This thing's way too convicting. You just saw, if you read that thing, it's going to rebuke you. It's going to correct you. It's going to tell you that you're doing something wrong. And don't you know that will damage our self-esteem? So here's what we do. We've got to keep this charade going, right? We've got our building with stained glass windows and a steeple. And we all dress up in our Christian clothes and outfits and stuff like that. We've got to have some sort of a scripture, so let's make one that's in our image, man's image, not God. It's got to be man-inspired, and surely they wouldn't do that, would they? Pastor Jim, Shirley's over here. Shirley, you want to wait before she go? Hey, she's gone. Thank you. You can get away with that this Sunday. But anyway, that's right. No, folks, they are. They are creating a brand new scripture, okay? Listen to these new and improved Bible versions out there. I'm not making them up. 
And you tell me, folks, if this is not the perfect dead scripture for a dead church for the Antichrist once he takes over. Listen to this. I'm not making these up. And this is, this is not all of them that's out there. Listen, as I go through all this, if somebody were to dare do this to the Quran or the Jewish Torah, what in the world would happen? But this is what they are doing to the word of God. Okay, listen to this. The new samurai version, right? This is guy stuff right here. That's right. One man says he wants the world to know Jesus Christ but just not the one that we're used to, right? So he's coming with a new and approved version called the manga Bible, which is the Japanese form of graphic novels. That's right, to reach a new generation, okay? He says it's gonna convey the shock and freshness of the Bible in a unique way. And in his version, biblical characters are depicted, among other things, as skateboarders in Bedouin gear. And with things like Noah getting tripped up as he's counting the animals on the ark, saying stuff like this, uh, that's 11,344 animals. Uh, arg! I've lost count again. I'm going to have to start from scratch. Yeah, it's good entertainment, isn't it? That's right. And he says, or Abraham riding a horse out of an explosion to save Lot. You got to beef it up a little. You know what I'm saying? It's a samurai version. Or Og, king of Bashan, looking like an early Darth Vader. Oh, that's some serious stuff. And however, he said, unfortunately, the Sermon on the Mount, he just chopped it out. It didn't make the book because he said there just wasn't enough action in it. Right? Now, if you did that to the other writings I mentioned, what would happen? Okay, but it gets worse as we go, folks. How about the politically correct version? This is from Oxford, who's actually produced this. In the majestic opening of John's gospel, it's politically correct now, the glory he has, Jesus, from the Father as the only son of the Father has now been turned into this, the glory of a parent's only child. Because that's not politically correct, because maybe uh, somebody doesn't have a father. Or maybe you're a daughter and you're not a son. What do you preference the boys? It gets worse as we go. The Lord's Prayer now begins like this. Father, mother, hallowed be your name. May your dominion come. Because again, what if they're a single parent household? Are you, what's the wrong, excuse me? Oh, it gets worse. Jesus' own self-understanding as God's only son is now generalized to, in this version, no one knows the child except the father, mother, and no one knows the father, mother, except the child. Because you can't have preference for one or the other. And avoiding another traditional phrase, son of man, the Oxford text now reads, then they will see the human one coming in clouds with great power and glory, okay? But it gets even worse. How about the feminist version? This, oh, oh, this is bad. Here the publisher revises uh, familiar stories, transforming, listen, I'm not making this up, the prodigal son into the prodigal daughter. They've changed the Lord's prayer into the lady's prayer, okay? Listen to this. In Luke chapter two, the verse, I'm just giving you samplings, okay? And it says this now, and Joseph went to Bethlehem to be enrolled with Mary, his wife, who was then pregnant. And she brought forth her firstborn child and her name was chosen to be Judith. Yeah, blasphemy. And the passage on the crucifixion from John 19 now says, and she bearing her cross went forth and there they crucified Judith. Okay? And the resurrection passion in 28 now states, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. But the angel to the woman said, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Judith who was crucified, she is not here, she is risen. Gets worse as we go. How about the new postmodern version, right? The new version takes Darwin's theory of evolution as gospel and presents Jesus as being born not of a virgin, but to a gorilla. This one makes you, it made me upset. According to Ruth Rim, it explores the emergence of a new global spirituality, global, listen, that's a one word religion, 
that mixes the best of each wisdom tradition with the latest findings in psychology, quantum physics, neuroscience, and linguistics. It's a Bible for skeptic seekers and people of different faiths. In other words, it's great for the one world religion. They're just hacking it all together. They're making it up. That's where we're at today, okay? And in one of the new parables called the parable of the gorilla, direct quote, what's so funny, she says, who do you expect Jesus' ancestors to look like? Tom Cruise? If Jesus were alive today, he would understand that his ancestors, just like ours, were beasts. Here's the actual promo video of them promoting the parable of the gorilla. Let's take a look. Imagine. From the loins of beautiful primates came prophets such as Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, the Buddha, and Lao Tzu. When we look at our evolutionary cousins, we look at ourselves in a beautifully preserved time capsule. That we evolved from apes, or that the universe is billions of years old, only deepens the mystery. Our rational way of life has left us starving for the spiritual starving for a special connection to the cosmos, a connection that the mothers of Moses and the fathers of Jesus still seem to cherish. How did our common ancestors give birth to the mystical sense within us? How did they learn to compose poetry, or speak in metaphors, or capture the sublime on a painted canvas? Look deep into their eyes. That the father of Jesus was not somewhere in heaven, but in the sperm of beautiful primates closely related to these, is one of the most liberating and joyful discoveries in human history. It's one of the most blasphemous statements in human history. This is why, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but because of things like this, this is why I spent six years in the past, six years researching, doing 41 messages telling the truth about the lie of evolution so that we can be equipped to debunk this baloney. Completely blasphemous. But that's not all, folks. It gets worse. How about the new gay Bible version? Believe it or not, folks, this is a, and we'll finish here. There's a new version out there that's got the gay Old Testament and the gay New Testament, which says, quote, gay is right and straight or heterosexual is a sin. In this version, Adam gets the heave-ho and he's replaced with Ida, quote, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Ida and she slept. And he took one of her ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the woman made he another woman and brought her unto the first, okay? And Ida said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. Listen, therefore shall a woman leave her mother, notice there's no mention of men, and shall cleave unto her wife and they shall be one flesh and they were both naked, the woman and her wife were not ashamed. And listen, the guy, Max Mitchell, described his work as being divine divinely inspired quote he says jesus was gay in biblical times homosexual relationships were so commonplace he says that no one gave it a second thought it was heterosexuality that was considered sinful and one participant stated listen finally a version of the bible that everybody can relate to Folks, I don't know, maybe I'm just being that hardliner again. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of thinking it's kind of strange. It doesn't seem right to me that Jesus came all the way from heaven to die a horrible death on the cross just so that we could say that he was, uh, uh, came, uh, uh, he was a woman or that he was a gay or he came from an ape. Anybody? 
But what you're seeing, folks, is it's absolutely blasphemous. I don't doubt one iota that these new and improved so-called versions of the Bible are zero convicting to the heart of man, but that is not what the Bible is for. It is God-inspired, not man-inspired, and it's there to teach us how to walk and live and keep in step with righteousness, not unholiness. And not one of those new and approved versions do that, which means it's fake, it's dead, it's a lie. But it's a perfect dead scripture for a perfect dead church that will be right there, ready to do anything the Antichrist says to do once he launches out in the one world religion. But that's not all. Here's the last one. The third way they're doing this is, believe it or not, to create this dead church for the Antichrist reign in the last day is they have flat out created a brand new savior, Right? But believe it or not, folks, we have got to take a look at what the real Jesus is and who he is. And let's take a look at what the actual word of God says the real Jesus is. And here's what we see, two passages here. Number one, Revelation chapter four, verse eight. You know, we sang about this, right? Uh, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And see, it's not just God. He's got an expectation for us. First Peter 1.15. But just as he, God, who has called you is holy, so what? You be holy in all you do. All you do. Why? Because it's written in the true word of God. Be holy, God says, because I am holy. Now, folks, again, I hope this isn't an eye-opener for you, but the Bible clearly says if there's one attribute that God wants us to know about him, it's got to be this one. It's that he is holy, he is holy, he is holy. We never see in the scripture that God is love, he is love, he is love. We never see that God is just, he is just, he is just, although he is. But we do see that God is holy, he is holy, he is holy. And we see in the scripture, if there's one thing that God wants us to know that he expects from us... because he wants us to resemble him like father, like son, right? So to speak, okay? Is that he expects us to be holy, to act holy, to live holy just as he is, right? Not anymore. I mean, you guys aren't from that traditional house of worship, are you? You're not outdated Christians, are you? You're not being old-fashioned, are you? That's outdated. Haven't you heard, thanks to the lie of liberal Christianity, we're now being told we need a new and improved Savior. You know, one that's conformed to our image. Why? Because that old Jesus, I mean, come on. You start talking about holiness, there goes my self-esteem again. And I don't like being told that I'm doing something wrong. And so we need a new Savior who's conformed to the image of man. We need a new Savior, you know, because we've got to have some sort of icon We need a new savior that is full of sin just like us and who accepts every sin so it doesn't matter what we do, he'll always love us. Take a look at what they've now done to Jesus. A brand new savior. Complete blasphemy, folks, going on in the churches today. How about the pole dancing savior? All right, folks, uh, believe it or not, there's a new way to express your faith. That's right. On the second Sunday of each month, Crystal Dean leads a pole dancing course for churchgoers in Texas. She says she realized that she could use her experience with exotic performing to help, listen, to help other women connect with the teachings of Jesus. Don't believe me? Here's the interview. Well, she's pretty excited about it. Let's take a look. Well, Melinda, I bet you've never heard of this one before, pole fitness for Jesus. And I know you're probably thinking, how on earth can you mix pole dancing with Jesus? Well, according to one studio up in spring, you can definitely mix the two. You're going to step in front with the inside leg. Now you're going to... 
kick this one out. I actually, I was a dancer for three years. Okay. Um, it's probably seven years ago okay. or so. Um, I did it for a while. It's, it was not something that I felt very rewarded with, um, but to each his own, and um, it was just something I didn't really want to do anymore. So I actually decided to take the part that I liked about that and bring it here. Don't let the name of the class fool you, though. There's no prayer beforehand. There's no crosses hanging in her studio. Just to, like I said, get past the whole stigma of the whole thing. You know, I teach women to feel good about themselves. I teach them to be empowered. So here and here. And, you know, we get in really good shape. I mean, it does the legs. That's why we wear the shoes, actually. Wow. You thought yoga last week was bad. I'm telling you, folks, once you open Pandora's box, how about this one? How about the new erotic church savior? Okay, I'm not making this up. Uh, hundreds of people lined up for what's called the erotic church service, where a female dancer danced in the middle of the church facility in front of the altar. Nearly 1,000 people, these are actual photographs, nearly 1,000 people waited outside the door despite a thunderstorm, huh? And uh, above the entrance was the caption, a warm welcome to the vineyard of love. Okay, then a man came to the microphone and stated, this is an erotic church service. Can you move a little bit closer, all of you? Okay, and then the faithful were asked, actual photographs, uh, to take part in an anointing ritual in which they should massage the forehead and the hands of the person sitting next to them. And then they announced eroticism and lust are not taboo, pushed aside by God. Lust has to be lived out in a church service. And the person visiting saying, this is how church services should be. Yeah, for liberalism, for a dead fake Christianity. Oh, but it gets worse as you go. How about the transgender pastor savior? The, hey, you go, you slide one thing, I'm telling you, listen, the Episcopal Church has approved a, a, pro, a proposal that if it survives the final vote, would now give transgender men and women rights to become ministers in the church. The move comes nine years after the church approved its first gay bishop, and the new resolutions would now allow transgender individuals as of their overall non-discrimination policy. See, we, we rolled over on the first one, thought, oh, well, all right, all right. But I'm telling you, folks, it's going to get worse. In fact, another bishop is warning this is what's coming next. He says, how about the adultery-approving Savior? Listen to this. Another bishop warned that all this ongoing redefinition of marriage with same-sex unions will soon include the idea of what's now being called non-monogamy. Okay? This is the concept that says the need for marital faithfulness between a man and woman in marriage is outdated. The new concept proposes the acceptance of multiple partners uh, without the stigma of adultery. You know, because that'll lower your self-esteem. Okay, but listen, I'm not making this up. Believe it or not, there's an actual court case already that has been brought forth that claims that since same-sex marriage restrictions are being lifted, so should restrictions on multiple partner marriages in the church is how bad it's getting. Oh, but how about the New Age occult savior? You know, let's just go full-blown. And that's exactly what's happening. The church in England has recently hosted a, quote, New Age festival where it opened its doors, listen, to tarot card readers, crystal healers, meditation experts, and dream interpreters. Why? Because the church is in trouble and attendance has fallen for the sixth year in a row, so they decided to hold the festival in a bid to embrace alternative forms of Christianity. That's not Christianity, okay? And, uh, but this shouldn't be too surprising because another church stated Harry Potter is a Christ-like figure because he promotes biblical values. Yeah, okay. And a Protestant church in California teamed up with the high priestess of the pagan fertility goddess worship, Isis, to help them with their guided meditations and their latest conference that they were offering uh, to the public. And so what's next? A full-blown New Age church service? Mm-hmm, they're already out there. Here's one you could attend. I don't recommend it, but let's take a look. Namaste. 
I'm the spiritual leader of the community, Loving Spirit community. Um, we have opened a center in Madison called the Center for Conscious Living. At the Center for Conscious Living, we do a variety, we have a variety of events that happen during the course of the week. Um, starting with Sunday morning, our Sunday morning, what we call our celebration of life, community gathering. Um, we do some chanting, some singing, some honoring of spirit in each other. Um, I get to do my little metaphysical rant, depending on what bird is on my saddle that particular week. Um, and then we do a guided meditation, um, allowing people to come on, a, on an inward journey that I facilitate. Feeling yourself in emerging from this darkness, which has become light. Once again into a universe of swirling, colorful energy. We see our function here as encouraging, facilitating, and inspiring people to awaken to their true nature, to their spiritual nature, so that they can incorporate that perspective and that point of view into their daily lives to make their human experience more meaningful and more joyful. Oh, one last time. I don't know. I, I just... I, apparently, I'm just being an old-fashioned hardliner or something, but I, I just don't think that Jesus, there, there had to be something more. I don't think he came all the way from heaven to die on the cross just so we could sit around having erotic church services, getting our palms read, saying a Hindu farewell to each other. Do you see what's being created before our very eyes? Listen, this is what we, we, we are being replaced with. It's a dead church, a fake church called liberal Christianity, which is not Christianity. It's a dead church with a dead scripture and a dead savior. That Jesus can't save nobody. But guess what? The Antichrist loves this stuff because this church, that church, whoo, they'll go along with anything he says once he takes over the religions of the world. Can you believe it? It's happening right now. Folks, what more does God have to do? He loves us. He doesn't want us going to the seven-year tribulation. He doesn't want us to go to hell. That's why the real Jesus died on the cross. And this is why out of love, he's given us over these last several weeks the rise of apostasy to let us know it's getting close. This is why Jesus said, once again, Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to take place, when you see this stuff happen in the church, church, real church, you better stand up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. It's getting close, Right? Folks, we are headed for the final countdown. And so the point is this, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I beg you, please, give your life to the real Jesus. Not the fake, phony Jesus of so-called liberal Christianity. He can't save you. Acknowledge your sin. Own up to it. Don't deny it. Acknowledge your sin. Ask him to forgive you, and he will. But if you're here today in closing, you are a Christian, I challenge you, if you're a part of any of these apostate movements that we've been talking about, be it the Word of Faith movement, be it the Church Growth movement, be it today with the liberal Christianity movement, can I encourage you to do something? You better run. You better run and you better run for your life. Away from this apostasy. And let's get busy getting out there in the world telling people about the real Jesus because he's the only one who could change things around. Amen? We'll close in prayer after this. 
listen to me like you've never listened to me ever in your life. We have got to lay our lives down for the purposes of God. This is not a Sunday school picnic, the Church of Jesus Christ. This is not an invitation to have continuous good times. This is a war for the souls of men. Come out from among them. Run for your life. Because this is about your life. It's not just about an opposing theology or conflicting viewpoint on Jesus. This is about your life. My mind is forever branded with the story that I heard of police officers from the city of New York as, as people were fleeing from a crumbling building. There were police officers and firemen and others that were running towards the building saying, run for your life at their own peril. And in some cases, I believe they knew they were going to die, but there was a sense of duty. I was crying out to God. I said, God, oh, Jesus, don't let my sense of duty be less for your kingdom than these beloved firemen and policemen were for those that are perishing in a falling tower. We're living in a generation when truth is falling into the streets. I want to be among those that are not running away from the conflict, but running into the conflict and say, run for your life. Run from Gospels that focus only on success and prosperity. Run! Run from those who use the name of Christ only for personal gain. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from Gospels that only focus on self-improvement. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run! Body of Christ, run! Get out! Don't touch the unclean thing. Run from churches in America and Canada where there is no Bible. There's no cross in the theology. There's no soul-searching word. There's no repentance from sin. There's no mention of the blood of Jesus. Run! It's unclean. Run! Run from churches where you're comfortable in your sins. If you come into the house of God and you've got sin in your life and you're not convicted of it, you're at a table of devils. Run from pulpits that are filled with political men who are using the pulpit of God for a personal political agenda. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run! Get out! Turn it off! Get away from it! They know nothing of God. Run from ungodly, spasmodic movements and endless, empty prophesying. Beloved church, run for your life. Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes 
Run like you've never run before. Run! 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 Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die... And it's coming for each one of us. We're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, You shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly. The Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. 
The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.